Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Back to another Buckeye Talk Michigan State preview. Today, big game ahead as we work through the Ohio State schedule. Joined by Matt Wenzel of MLive.com, the place where you want to go to find out about the Spartans. Matt, thanks for joining us here on Buckeye Talk. Of course, Doug, anytime. This people get in trouble. I don't know if the listeners need to know this. If you come on the show and you're a pleasant person and you're good on the pod, then I take advantage of that. And then I go back to you <laughs> more, 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 more. So um, Matt has been on many times in the past. He's been on the College Football Survivor Show and he's always excellent. And uh, Michigan State is a really interesting team uh, to talk about, Matt. And we know that. Mel Tucker, $9.5 million a year, got Ryan Day a raise. That was very helpful to Ryan Day. It certainly helped that. But as Mel Tucker, Cleveland native, enters year three in East Lansing, the $9.5 million a year, 10 years, right? Was it a 10-year deal? 10 years. $95 million. Fully guaranteed. What does that do for the Michigan State football program? Does it change anything? Does it change their ability to win long-term? Does it change the expectations, not just from fans, but maybe from the administration, from the board of trustees? This was a big investment in what a lot of people think, and I think is a very good football coach. But when you're given Mel Tucker $9.5 million a year, guaranteed for 10 years, at the end of year two, what does anything change for what Michigan State football is? I mean, I think some is that, you can go out and, and one of the knocks against Mel is he, you know, he never has been stayed in one place very long. I think four years is the longest, if I'm remembering that correctly. But, you know, so, you know, negative recruiting, you know, people would say, oh, well, he's not going to be there very long, you know. Well, now, I mean, at least, you know, you have the 10 years, you have 95 million. Granted, if you read the language of the contract, the buyout didn't change. So, I mean, really, I mean, you could be in the situation all over again in a couple of years, but you know, they showed a, a long-term investment uh, commitment with the help of a couple of wealthy uh, alumni to help fund the contract. So they can at least say, well, you know, you want to try to negatively recruit against us. Well, this is what the deal we've got. Now, as far as the expectations from the fans, I don't know. How realistic are you? You know, what do you think? Do you think this is a team that should be uh, competing for a national championship every year, be in the playoff contention every year. If you do, then the money means something. If you're happy with, you know, 11 and two and, and a bowl, uh, you know, a New Year's six bowl win and, and maybe some, some eight and four sprinkled in there, then I think Mel is more than capable of doing that. I think, I think he's more than capable of having them in contention for, you know, to win a big 10 title and get in the playoff. But 
I think the expectations, I think a lot of that is more externally, nationally, when you see the money Mel got and you see the effect it had on other contracts, you know, with Brian Kelly, with James Franklin, with Ryan Day, with, um, you know, Mario Cristobal, with whatever, whatever, whatever number that is that Lincoln Riley is making at at USC that we still don't have a uh, know for sure. But so, yeah, I mean, it it had an effect there, but I, I don't know. I don't. If they can recruit at a high enough level where and Mel has them on the right trajectory, then I think, you know, that he can take them to to great heights. I mean, who thought Mark D'Antonio was going to accomplish what he did there? I think Mel Tucker is capable of doing the same. So I, I like Mel. He's a Cleveland guy. And we're we're uh, we have warm hearts for folks from Cleveland here at Cleveland.com and on this podcast. So I don't want to put words in his mouth. I'm, certainly, it's not like Mel Tucker and I ever talked about this. Um, but I will say he's 50 years old. He became a head coach for the first time in college football just three seasons ago at Colorado. And I do think he moved around sometimes. He should have been head coach earlier. With, with what his resume was and what his experience level was. And it's funny. I did. I did. a. I talked to Mel one time. I did a big story on him when he was at Colorado and sort of went through his career with him. And then it turns out he's only there a year, but I feel like he maybe got accelerated now because it took too long and black head coaches often don't get the opportunities that their white counterparts do earlier in their career. Mel Tucker said that, when we talked and I know he's met, he said the same thing to you guys, Matt, that he's had two mentors basically in his career, Nick Saban and Jim Tressel. Well, that's pretty good. Those are winning guys. I think both those guys would go to the mat for Mel Tucker. Right. And yet it took forever for this guy. He probably should have been an NFL head coach, right? He was an interim head coach for a while. Maybe thought he was going to get a chance there. Didn't get it. Was in the league, came back to college, was went back to Alabama, went to Georgia with Kirby Smart. It did take too long. So now when you're Mel Tucker, now it's like, hey, I got a job. Now I'm winning. You know, if people are dangling money in front of you now, it's like you're 50. If LSU is going to throw you 10 mil a year, man, I got, I'm making up for lost time here. So I understand the idea of, hey, maybe there, maybe people think Mel bounces around. But I also understand why this went down the way it did. And now that it has gone down this way, Matt, would you guess that Mel Tucker gets through this 10 years? Like Mel Tucker at Michigan <laughs> State does make sense to me. Now, the hard thing is, hey, he's from Cleveland. He worked at Ohio State. He worked for the Browns. He, he worked for, you know, he's at Michigan State now. He's a Midwest guy. He's also been all over the SEC, right? He's, he's had a wide and varied career. He, he, he could live somewhere else. But does this feel permanent to you? You said the buyout didn't change. What is the buyout? Oh, uh, tested my memory. I'll have to look it up here. But not second. prohibitive, not prohibitive. No, it's the same as it was um, under his previous deal. Um, okay. So do you think he stays? Like, do you think this is a match and we got a decade of Mel Tucker ahead of us at Michigan State? I think I think there's the potential for that, but I just would never bet on anybody, you know, getting, get, sure. you know, living out a 10-year contract as a coach. It's just, <laughs> I mean... We look back at remember uh, Charlie Weiss. How many games was he into his uh, tenure at, at Notre Dame, and they gave him that uh, what 10, 10 year deal too? And he was fired what, three years later, or whatever. I, it was. I, I cannot sit by and let you besmirch Mel Tucker's good name by mentioning Charlie no, Weiss no, in no. the same sentence. But I no. know what you're saying. I know. I mean, saying. I just anytime you're going to talk that length for a coach, I'm just going to say no. Um, so. 
And, and to answer your question, the buyout is 2.5 million if he left between now. Oh, well, that already expired. I'm sorry. That was if he left by, by January, uh, drops by a half million dollars uh, each year until uh, million uh, for leaving any time after January 6, 2024. Okay. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, 10 years is just a long time. Now, would you, if, you know, 10 years from now, you know, Mel was still there, would I be completely stunned? No, because I think he's a really good coach. Um, he's still youngish kind of for this profession. You know, like you mentioned, only, you know, became a head coach in 2019 at Colorado. Um, and if it fits, you know, the university likes him, the fan base, he's clearly energized the fan base. I mean, yeah. if you remember what it was like the final years under D'Antonio, things just kind of got a little stale and, and Mel has completely changed that. So he says he wants to be here. He called this his dream job. They gave him a bunch of money. So it, it, the opportunity is there. It's just, that's a long time. So when we do think of the heyday, of Michigan State football. And you look at Mark D'Antonio between 2010 and 2017, six out of eight years, double-digit wins. Uh, I, I ran a little uh, old uh, thing on Chris Stassen's page. I love Chris Stassen's page. You can do like put in any number of years and that'll sort by team's records. Between 2010 and 2017, Michigan State, the 12th best record in the country um, among power five teams are 11th. So they're only behind like Bama, Ohio state, Oklahoma, Clemson, Florida state, Stanford, Wisconsin, LSU, Oregon, Oklahoma state, then Michigan state. They're as good as basically anybody right in that era. We see, we've seen it. We've seen it. Is that what can Mel Tucker do that? That's a high bar. That's that's double digit wins. Six out of eight years is really high level, really consistent. Three of those eight years finished in the top 10 in the country. Is that, when people, when Michigan State gives Mel Tucker nine point five million dollars a year, do they look at that and say, "Let's do that again"? I mean, yeah. I mean, what, Mark went what uh, thirty six and five in that three year run with with two Big Ten titles and a trip to the playoff, and and, and he did that without really big recruiting classes. You know, yep. they were typically in you know what the the twenties or so, you know, thirties. Um, you know, the best class. Mark brought to East Lansing ended up being a disaster. That was the, you know, the, the 2016 class, they called themselves the dream team and that didn't work out so well, but yeah, I mean, it's all about recruiting. You got to get the players. Mark did things nobody thought were possible. um, And he took some really undervalued recruits and turned them into, um, you know, incredible players. So they showed the eye for talent and for development and and Mel looks like his staff can recruit at a higher level. So yeah, I mean, in year two, coming off a COVID year of, you know, two and five, all the craziness, you flip the roster and, and you go 11 and two with, you know, loss at Purdue. That was a winnable game. And then you get your doors blown off at Ohio State. It has been the custom lately. But, yeah, I mean, if he can do that in year two and he can continue and recruit at a high level, um, bring in transfers as needed to to plug some holes, then, yeah, he's capable of accomplishing that. Uh, we'll see if that's, if that's what actually works out. But Absolutely. Obviously, one worked the portal beautifully. Kenneth Walker the third, uh, the most prolific guy of that a year ago, but other other guys in there too who really made an impact. Where, how is the high school recruiting though? Generally, right now, you said the staff can recruit. What are what are you seeing so far with the way Michigan State's getting after it there? Well, his first class was. You know, it was a COVID class. He called them uh, Zoom babies. You know, he only had a few of those guys on campus in person. He only met a few of these guys on person, in person. Um, most of those guys arrived at Michigan State without ever having been there, set foot yeah. on campus. So 
you know, that was a weird class. And then this past year, uh, did, they did a pretty good job, uh, top 25 class, you know, so that basically as good a class almost as D'Antonio ever had, I think his number one class I was referring to earlier ended up like 16th or something. Um, so they're on the upswing and they got, was they got six guys committed for, for the 23. Um, I think the last time I looked, they were number 16 in the country or something like that. I don't know. The rankings changed quickly, but they're going into a big time month starting, uh, well, tomorrow, big June. They have a ton of uh, talent coming to campus. They got five-star guys coming guys that would not normally ever, you wouldn't see them really associated with Michigan state. Wouldn't see them using an official visit to get to Michigan state. Um, and part of that is, their ability to recruit. And you really, you know, you look at the most of the class they got last year, this, the 2022 class, the guys that are either already, you know, the early enrollees that already got there, or they're getting there right now. Uh, most of that was built last June through the official visits. And that was, mm-hmm. you know, so obviously 11 and two helps moving forward, but they built a strong class coming off of two and five and selling, you know, culture and their future. If you're able to, if you're successful, Doing that off of two and five, and you, then you can try and do it off 11 and two. I, I believe you'll continue to have success. Like I said, they got some some talented guys coming to campus. I think this will be a better recruiting class even than than the previous one as far as rankings. You know, you never know how this will shake out. But you look at some of the guys, like like you hire a guy like Brandon Jordan, that just that's a game changer in recruiting. You bring in a guy that's been working and continues to work with the top uh, edge rushers in the NFL who gets these guys paid. And now all of a sudden you have him on your staff and he's a young guy and he's willing to go out there and grind and recruiting. I mean, that's big, big difference maker right there. But that was, that was a, that showed me something about Mel, right? That's a, to take a guy who there's a lot of these coaches who are like personal train, not personal position coaches. They work on technique, whatever with the guys, but to, to pull a guy like that under staff, not every head coach in the world, I think, would be comfortable doing something like that. But that's Mel thinking outside the box a little bit. That's Mel. Let's get some guys who relate to young players. Let's get some guys who you talk about the league. Right. That There's yeah, a little bit of a absolutely. risk in that, maybe. But it's sort of out. I, I like the thinking. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> I thought it was, you know, I mean, I, I can't tell you. I, I obviously knew of every single assistant coach hire that went down in this offseason, but I can't think of one more interesting you know as so really I, I think to be a really savvy move and you pair him with you know he does have coaching experience you know he played he has but his coaching experience in college was at the very low level um then he did the internship with the with the cardinals which got his name on and, and basically that's kind of what got him to mel but yeah i mean <laughs> i i and you still see him, he was doing it, you know, he still do it. He's posting videos on Twitter, just like he always did. Now those, those guys making the big bucks in the NFL, they're working out at Michigan state. And I yep. think that, that, that will do things. And you think you've already seen it uh, in recruiting for them uh, in this cl- class. So listen, it's summer. People have to go on vacation. I got a little trip with my daughter. I'm actually on that trip with my daughter right now. <laughs> As you're listening to this podcast, Matt and I recorded this a couple weeks early. So now this is my test of if I'm a good, responsible podcaster, am I going to drop a note in here after I'm done talking and say, hey, it's Doug. Uh, Michigan State did get a couple guys in June after their official. Or am I just going to let it ride? Be like, all right, you guys will figure it out. Go look it up. Go look up on the Google machine, 247 Sports. We'll see. This is a test of Doug Maurice podcaster here's the break is am i gonna fill the break or not okay now we're back with matt wenzel so i do think um i like mel in michigan state the thing that is is fascinating and and this it reminds me a little bit 
not exactly the same, but a little bit. Jim Trestle gets fired at Ohio State. Look, Fickle takes over for a year. And I'm wondering, I said, I think there's maybe going to be a dark cloud that hangs over this program for a little bit. And then Urban Meyer comes in and blows the dark cloud away. Michigan State, Mark D'Antonio leaves under odd circumstances on field and off field. And then it's like they're after Luke Fickle and Luke Fickle says no. And they're out there in the world. Mel Tucker says no. And it's like, who is Michigan State going to get? Oh, my God. You could be torpedoing this program potentially. And then they go back to Mel Tucker and get Mel to say yes. And after in the in the midst of year two, he's so good and so pursued. He gets a ninety five million dollar 10 year contract. Who would the head coach have been if they didn't go back to Mel Tucker? And Matt, whatever happens now, right now, Mel has expectations. Now, can they get back to this? How much better off are they that they wound up with Mel Tucker as opposed to like, where did you think, what did you think was going to happen when that coaching search was, was going on? Oh man, that was, boy, that was fun. Um, Oh, he's uh, just for the listeners. He's rubbing his head. Oh. that's the sign of like, oh my, that ruined my life for six weeks, whatever it was. Yes. Yeah. That was a, uh, that was, that was fun. I, I mean, I thought it would be, I thought it would be fickle to start. Um, and I thought, you know, it would trend in that direction and it was, looked like it was going that way. And then, you know, like everything you said, where would they have ended up after that? I don't know, but I think it worked out quite well for them when mm-hmm. you're, as, as you're, as we're sitting here right now, um, you know, I just think, they got a guy who is, I mean, the X's and O's, obviously he knows it, you know, I mean, you look at all the places he's been, what he's learned and he knows, but his ability to navigate through some of these, these changes in the sport. So you have NIL, you have the transfer portal, you have all this stuff coming up and Mel just, you know, to his credit, it, it's, it's a boring answer to get when you're a journalist, cause, you know, cause you get it all the time, but for him, I mean, he really believes it. it's just neutral thinking, you know, just you know, we can't change this, but, you know, it is what it is. And this is what we're going to have to do. And he's, you know, he just, he, he's shown an ability to, to adapt to all these changes. And I think they landed a guy who, who could, <laughs> was better. Uh, I think it's worked out better than anybody could have anticipated when, you know, the Luke Fickle publicly denying it and all, all or, you know, turn publicly turning it down. At that point, I didn't know where it was going to go how far down the list they were going to have to get, but to go back to get Mel and, you know, they had to pay him, you know, he had to, they had to more than double his salary. They had to pay him more than, than D'Antonio ever made at Michigan state just to get him here. And that was before the, the extension. So uh, yeah, it worked out well in the end. It, it was pretty ugly public search at the time. Um, but here we are. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't matter how you get there. It just matters that you do get there. And so they got there. Uh, I do think Mel Tucker is a guy that Michigan State can believe in. We'll take a quick break on Buckeye Talk. Let's get on the field talking offense, defense, what Michigan State is going to be like in the 2022 season, what they're going to look like when they come to uh, when, a, when Ohio State goes to East Lansing next on Buckeye Talk. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, back with Matt Wenzel of MLive.com. Again, this is the week, I don't think, again, I don't think I've said it yet. This is the week six game scheduled for October 8th. It's Ohio State's first road game of the year. Ohio State has kind of an odd schedule this year. They have eight home games and four road games. First five are at home. At Michigan State, let's start on the defensive side of the ball first, Matt. SP plus ratings, they are 16th in Bill Connolly's SP plus projections. They are 16th in defense and 33rd in offense. Mel is a defensive guy. Michigan State a little bit. I mean, D'Antonio was a defensive guy. You've kind of a little bit of this hard-nosed football kind of thing. We all remember the no-fly zone. There was a time when, when the secondary at Michigan State was as good as you would find in the Big Ten and what could compete with anybody in the nation. How good will the Michigan State defense be in 2022? I think it'll be pretty good. Um, the, I mean, they were they were improved uh, overall last year. Uh, I mean, 2020, they gave up a program record with 35.1 points per game. Um, so they were better last year. Uh, the knock against them, was, it was obvious. They, they You were there. <laughs> mm. I mean, defending the pass. They, you yeah. know, last in the nation in, in passing yards allowed per game. You know, you look at the numbers, you know, numbers per Yards per attempt, yards per completion, those are better. But, I mean, we saw what, what happened to that secondary when they faced high-level quarterbacks, especially the last, what, third of the season, really. And they were dealing with some injuries at corner and, you know, just got absolutely shredded. I don't know another way to put it. Um, but you return everybody now. So that's – all right, so, you know, they have, what, eight starters back on, on defense. So um, – it's been, if we're focused just on the secondary for, for right now, you, you had they basically completely overhauled at corner going into last year. You know, through the portal, it was basically a complete turnover. Um, and these corners didn't get there until the summer. So they, they were new in the system, thrown in there. And now you return uh, all well, you had four corners who started last, uh, last season uh, Chester Kimbo, Ronald Williams, Charles Brantley, and Marquis Lowry. All four of those guys are back. Um, plus, you add Amir Speed, who's a you know six three corner who was at Georgia last year, was on a national championship team. He started that began that season as a starter. So right away, you, you, you're they're going to be their corners are going to be better. Their corner play will be better. Both starting safeties are back. Um, you get one of the two starting linebackers back, and then you bring in two veteran transfers, uh, Aaron Roulet from Mississippi State and Jacoby Winman from UNLV. These guys have played these veterans played at a high level, been very productive. Now they're in the mix. Darius Snow, who's a guy who played both nickel and uh, and and safety last year, uh, he's now he learned linebacker this spring, so now he's in the mix there as well. So it's that that back what seven is 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 there's more experience and there's more proven ability there in, in the system. And I think I think they'll be better. They were already good against the run last year. I think they'll be good against the run again. Uh, the the question for them is. The losses, the key losses were, were at edge. They lost both starting ends. And how are you going to fill that? And one of those guys might be, you know, Chris Bogle is a transfer from Florida who, you know, has starting experience in the SEC and, and he's in the mix there too. So 
Yeah, I, mean, I think defensively they will be better this year against the pass in particular. Who's going to be the best player on the defense? Or they're like seven guys who are all Jacob crazy. Slade. I think Jacob yeah. Slade. I think he's and you're. I, I most of the people listening to this probably even heard of him. And better chance because he's from Ohio, but you know he he's uh, you know the, he'll be a third year starter, defensive tackle. He's just he's just good. You know he he's a disruptor in the middle. Uh, I think he's. I would put it on him. You know, even if he, if the numbers don't even match what you see on the field. All right, offensive side of the ball. We had our Big Ten playoff preview that we uh, on the College Football Survivor Show that we also ran here on Buckeye Talk about a month ago. And on there, I think we talked about, could Peyton Thorne be the second-best quarterback in the Big Ten? Is that the upside behind C.J. Stroud? What is – he's a veteran guy. He's a little – guys like this come through the Big Ten. Right. These are kind of the sort of the quarterbacks. We've seen them at Michigan State before. They come through the Big Ten. Like, how good could he be? I think like he's he's his floor, I think, is pretty high for this year. Right. That Mm -hmm. like he knows what he's doing by this point as a multi-year starter. But what's his ceiling? How good? What's the upside of Peyton Thorne? The the ceiling would be. A year from now, we're talking about who's replacing uh, Peyton Thorne because he had a monster season and <laughs> gotten drafted. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen, but, you know, he's a very talented guy. I mean, I think you, you see the improvement year to year. I mean, you got to remember, this was a guy who was committed to, to play for Western, you know, and Michigan State came in late and, and offered it, I and mean, very late, and he it was like the, you know, December. It was like a week or so before that early signing period that he, you know, he flipped. Um and we saw the, you know, he, he progressed enough to, to, to challenge uh, Rocky for the starting job in 2020. Um, they bring in a grad transfer, a guy, you know, Anthony Russo from Temple uh, for experience, and he beats him out and takes every meaningful snap. So we saw the progress from 2020 to 2021. And, and what will it be this year? I don't know. But I mean, there's a guy who's got the work ethic, coach's son. If, if, if he can go, if he can throw you know, program record, single season program record, uh, 27 touchdown passes last year, he can, you know, you bring back Jaden Reed, who's a longtime friend and, and teammate as one of the better receivers in the Big Ten, um, get some help around him. Yeah, I just, I think if he can cut down on the turnovers a little bit, be a little, you know, up the completion percentage. And yeah, I mean, he's, he, he could be in that conversation, obviously, as a, you know, maybe the second best in the Big Ten behind Stroud. So he, you know, he was working with a great running back last year. Is he the kind of quarterback who needs to play off a great running game? Or can he be a guy like, hey, you know, this defense we're playing stops the run great. And maybe even it might be like Ohio State, right? I mean, like Ohio State, Ohio State's going to believe in their corners more than a year ago. They think they have several good safeties, but we don't know, especially first first road game for Ohio State. I don't know. Could Peyton Thorne, like can Peyton Thorne, throw for 320 yards if that's how Michigan State feels like they have to win a game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, now I'm not going to blow smoke and tell you, oh, well, it won't matter. They don't have Kenneth Walker. I mean, that's going to make a huge difference. How they feel that, we'll see. You know, they got a couple, they got some returners and, and had a couple transfers. But I think there's, Walker's gone, you know, Walker's gone. Thor knows this is his team. This is his offense. And it's going to be the pressure, the expectations are going to go up this year, you know, and he's going to be expected to deliver. Now, how does he handle that? We'll, we'll see. But, yeah, he has the ability and he has the talent to be able to do it. Sure as hell help if, if you got somebody to take, you know, ease that pressure, you know, where you can 
<laughs> when you have a running back who makes your flea flick, what did the first four flea flickers they ran last year were successful? Uh, you know, if they can have somebody to take the pressure off, yeah, obviously that'll help. But, you know, he's got the talent around him to be able to – he can go out and win a game with his arm, I guess is the point I'm making. We've yeah. seen it before, um, and I think you'll see it again this year. So you talked about uh, Jaden Reed. When we talk about sort of like, you know, number one receivers, let's look at Big Ten receivers last year. There were only five 1,000-yard receivers in the Big Ten last year. Garrett Wilson – uh, first round of the draft. Jahan Dotson from Penn State, first round of the draft. David Bell from Purdue, third round of the draft. Jackson Smith and Jigba, back at Ohio State, is one of the two best receivers in the country. And Jaden Reed was fifth. 59 catches, 1,026 yards, 10 touchdowns, 79 receiving yards per game. Is is this dude like a number one? Is this, is this a, hey, defenses have to plan for this guy? How good is he? How good can he be? Yeah, I mean, he absolutely is. Um, and if you aren't plan- game planning for him, uh, it's probably going to cost you. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, you know, he six foot, 185 pounds is what they list him at. You know, those are numbers that, you know, that's not going to grab your attention. But you watch the way he plays, and he plays bigger than that. And there, you, you saw it. I mean, there were times this past year where, you know, Michigan State's in a position, you know, going for two or whatever it is, where it's just like, if they got one-on-one coverage on the outside, I there is no doubt in my mind what they're doing. Thorne's going to step back and he's going to throw a jump ball to Jaden Reed and he's probably going to catch it. And and we saw, I mean, even in the bowl game, so there's no Walker in in, in the uh, Peach Bowl, and Reed still went out there and won the game for him. You know, he had the the touchdown to start it and and won late. And yeah, he's just he is a game changer on offense. I am I was surprised he came back for another year. To be perfectly honest, I thought he was going to leave. Um, but he, he, you know, he's here, and and between his ability as a receiver, the connection he has with Thorne, um, and in, as a returner, I mean, they lose the Nebraska game if it isn't for for him taking that punt back in the fourth quarter. Their offense was going nowhere. He returns punt, ties the game, they win in overtime. Yeah, he's a he's a difference maker for him. He is the biggest offensive weapon they have. You know, well, not Peyton Thorne. You know, they're going to need Peyton Thorne, obviously, yeah. but you know, he he is their guy. So we're talking about could Peyton Thorne be the second best quarterback in the Big Ten? Jaden Reed's probably the second best receiver in the Big Ten behind Jackson Smith and Jigba. That I mean, by statistically, he is. We just said he's only there's only two thousand yard receivers back from a year ago, and and who else are you going? Not him. I don't know. Like he's better than Parker Washington. I mean, I he's like there's just you run through some guys. He's done it. He's established. So then the run game. Now you're repl- you're replacing Kenneth Walker, who was. I think people in East Lansing think should have been a Heisman finalist, certainly was in the Heisman discussion all year. Do you think he should have been a Heisman finalist, by the way? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's funny. It's like CJ Stroud finished fourth and was the last Heisman guy to, to get in. And like, nobody thinks he should have been. It's like the Will Anderson, Alabama people are like, what are you doing? And the I, Kenneth Walker, Michigan State people are like, what are you doing? And CJ yeah. Stroud's like, it's not my fault. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I'll, full disclosure, I had him, I had a Heisman vote. Uh, I had him number one. I was going to, I had him, I was going to vote for him. He was getting my number one vote until the SEC championship game. And I got to say that's swung it. So he was still number two for me. I, I don't know that. I mean, you make an argument. He made a bigger difference for his team last year than anybody else did in the nation. At least that's the way I would get it. So they lose him. He's that good. They lose him. 
Jarek Broussard comes from Colorado, played for Mel there, right? Is that why he's here? Because he well, played for he, Mel in Colorado? He, he technically didn't play. He was on the team, but the, the year Mel was there, he's, uh, so he missed he missed his first two seasons in college, but uh, he had two ACL surgeries. So he was out his first two years. But yes, he was on the team when Mel was there in 2019. Okay. So 2020 was when he rebounded. That was his first playing time. And then he becomes the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the uh, Year in 2020. All right, so Jarek Broussard transfers to Michigan State. Jalen Berger transfers from Wisconsin. Is it going to be a two-headed tailback system? Do you think it's Broussard with Berger as the backup? And they can combine to be what percent of Kenneth Walker III? 60, 80, 90? How close? That's a tough one to put a percentage on. Uh, Maybe 80, you know, 70. I don't know. If you can get... If you can get the, if you can make it, the longer that goes in the season where you're still talking about Kenneth Walker, the more trouble it's going to be, obviously. So if they can get people to kind of, you know, move forward with with their play, but yeah, I think it's going to be more. You're not going to see anybody have the workload that Walker did last year. I don't think you're going to see. I think I, w- I would just say that Broussard and uh, Berger are the top two guys right now. They still they have four other returners, but you know, obviously Mel didn't think what they had in the room was enough. So we went out and got two guys. And, you know, I like what I've seen from, from Broussard. He's shifty. And, you know, for, I think it's more, they can have like this, this two back look where, where one brings a little bit more of like Broussard's a smaller guy. He's quick, but he can, you know, he can play through contact burger, a little bit bigger, a um, little bit more between the tackles, I would just think. Um, but it, it's, He's a little tougher to get a read on because he, he only played seven games in college. You know, he had the what four games in the in the COVID year, and then he had three last season before getting kicked off the team and getting going to the portal. So, uh, but the talent's obviously there. He was a four star kid from from Jersey, but uh, yeah. I, I, to answer your question, I think they'll they will be better in the backfield than they were in well the final years of D'Antonio era, uh, and but not as good as last year. Uh, and the, to be better, to, to complete the first part, they're going to need their offensive line to both come together and stay healthy because there's uh, there's some major concern there. I think that's the biggest question mark facing the team is up front. I'm trying to think. I think it must have been 2012 for Michigan State. So 11 and two. That's like the D'Antonio. Oh, they were down in four 2008, but 2010, 11 and two. 2011, 11 and three. And then 2012, Michigan State goes seven and six. Was that the year that like three or four offensive line starters got hurt? There was a year that like D'Antonio had a down year. It was like our whole offensive line is hurt. And that was a time when Ohio State went like eight years without an offensive line starter missing a game due to injury. And that was such a stark difference to me of like, if you, because nobody's nine deep on the offensive line, nobody's eight deep. You might be six and a half deep. But once you get to like your third starter off on the offensive line is hurt, like it's over. And there was a year that happened to Michigan state that got absolutely just was torpedoed. I wonder if it was even, was it 2016 when they were three and nine, there was a year that got torpedoed by the offensive line. So the offensive line, good, deep, not deep, bad. What are the expectations this year for Michigan state? Uh, <laughs> cross your fingers and, and, and hope is basically what it's looking like right now, because um, they had, I can't remember 2012. Uh, I wasn't covering the team then. Even if I was, I can't say I remember it. But I know. It- Here's, do you want to know a secret why I, w- I spoke half confidently about that? Nobody listening remembers it either. Exactly. They just think, oh, Doug has a great, Doug's memory recall of a, a Big Ten team from a decade ago. What uh, an accomplished journalist he must be. No, you people don't know. <laughs> anyway. 
It was the last couple. I do remember the last few years of the D'Antonio era. They could not keep somebody on the field. You know, they, it was like, let's say like eight or nine different starting combinations, something. It was, it was ridiculous. You know, the injuries they went through. Um, this past year, they were healthier. They still had, still had some guys out there. They were healthier. The problem is they went into last year with so much experience and, and on it. The offensive line coach, Chris Kapilovic, basically he said his problem was how are we going to get these guys on the field and keep them happy? You know, so they basically for more than half the first half of the season, really into, I think, going for seven games, really going into Michigan before they had an injury. They basically used two rotations with nine guys. You know, one guy, uh, uh, Kevin Jarvis, would, would flip out and he'd go from right guard to right tackle in the second rotation. But they basically played nine deep. And there were times where, I mean, the game was on the line in, in the fourth quarter and they have what you would think was their second team offensive line out there. Um, that's just what they, they had last year. Now, coming into this season, um, you lose three starters, you lose depth along with that. And what you're left with is only five offensive linemen who have ever taken a snap in college. Okay. So or I should say for that program, they added Brian green, a transfer from, from Washington state. So that gives them six beyond that. I mean, there was nothing And this spring. They had injuries. They were down to one day. They cracked open the door and let us in to watch some practice. And I think they had like something like two scholarship offensive linemen who have played in, you know, in college were actually practicing. So it was a skeleton crew this, this spring that affected how practice operated overall. Um, I think that was the main reason there was a, open spring practice and not a traditional spring game uh, to close it out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, basically what you're looking at right now is left tackle, Jared Horst, left guard, JD Duplain, center, Nick Samak, right guard, Matt Carrick, and right tackle, Spencer Brown. Spencer Brown started has one career start and that was the peach bowl to close last year. Um, so that's what you got. And then you add Brian green from Washington state who can play any of the three interior spots beyond that. You, you absolutely need these, these, saw you know second year players maybe some freshmen to to step in and fill the two deep and get you through the season but yeah i mean obviously they're they don't have much room for uh, error there okay let's zero in on this week six game now ohio state going to spartan stadium when i started covering ohio state in 2005 michigan state had some decent teams then and be like, oh, Ohio State, Michigan State, they play like early in the year and like Michigan State would be four and one and be like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe this will be a thing. And then they'd play and it'd be 45 to seven. And it'd be like, wow, that wasn't a thing at all. That was nothing. So 2005, again, as people listening to this podcast know, my only frame of reference is when I started covering the team, whatever happened at Ohio State before that, I don't know, it's not my responsibility. <laughs> so 2005, Ohio State, 35-24, 2006, 38-7, to 2007 is a game, 24-17, 2008 is 45-7. Ohio State wins those again. Now we enter this six-game stretch, six-year stretch, where Ohio State and Michigan State are 3-3 three and three against each other, and two of the three wins for Ohio State are by 17-16 to 16 scores. There could have been a stretch where Ohio State was one and five against Michigan State in this stretch. The first game, 2011, it's a 10-7 Michigan State win in Columbus, which is like the epitome of that lost 2011 year. That's the year. That's the game that made me think that Kirk Cousins is terrible because it was a 10-7 game. It's like, no, Kirk Cousins is a 15-year starter in the NFL. And I'm like, did you see this game? It was 10-7. It should have been 2-0. to zero. Then 17-16. 
miraculous Ohio State win at East Lansing in 2012, Urban Meyer's first game. 2013, the, uh, the huge win for Michigan State in the Big Ten Championship game. 2014, the Ohio State revenge game in East Lansing, 49-37. That's two good football teams, man. 2015, the 17-14 Michigan State win in Columbus that ruins Ohio State's chances of repeating as national champions. And then 2016, again, at Michigan State, 17-16, Ohio State prevails again. They stop a two-point conversion on that one um, in the final five minutes. But now, Matt, since then, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, here are the scores. 48-3, 26-6, 34-10, 52-12, and last year, 56-7. 56-7. Here's my point about this. Michigan State is a good football program. I have witnessed times when good football program Michigan State like has no prayer of hanging with Ohio State. And I have been here for a long stretch where the number one thorn in the side of Ohio State football was Michigan State football because they were tough and they were smart and they had playmakers and they weren't afraid and they would come and stick it right in the Buckeyes face. That is not what they have been. But the end of the D'Antonio era, everything kind of fell off, right? So last year's Michigan State season, at least from Ohio State standpoint, is, is a little weird because they went 11-2. and two. They won a New Year's Six Bowl. But in Columbus, they looked like the type of Michigan State team that can't compete. And like, if, you know, you're saying you voted Kenneth Walker second in the Heisman. If you're an Ohio State fan and your Kenneth Walker view is – Based off the Ohio State game, you're like, what? Because yeah. Haskell Garrett made a play on the first series, and it was like the game was over. Yeah. And like, it's like they just, they almost like rested Kenneth Walker's, like, this isn't going to work. I know that game in Columbus was not the real Michigan State. But I do think sort of how Michigan State plays against Ohio State is a decent measuring stick of the program because there's good, and then there's like, hang with Ohio State good. They were 11 and two last year. What an awesome season. There are people listening to this, Matt, I guarantee who are like, ah, Michigan State stinks because it's yeah, based of off Columbus. Yeah. What, what, how do you view that Ohio State Michigan State game a year ago? Is it just one of those Saturdays that it gets away from somebody and it's not reflective of what that Spartan team was really about? A little bit of, a little bit of both. Uh, I think. They're a better team than than that score, um, but their biggest weakness was in the secondary. Yeah, Ohio State knew it, recognized it. They have a great quarterback, have three great wide receivers, and they went right at them. And I mean, what would have been the score if they really if they kept you know Stroud in the game and all that? They could have put you know eighty up. There was there was no they were not stopping what they were doing at all. It was completely one sided. And yeah, I mean by the time. Walker got his what I don't even remember. What he had six carries that game, and he, he had a he was nursing an ankle injury, and it, there was just no point. It's a lose lose. You either want to keep him on the field for his Heisman chances, but then you're playing a guy who's hurt, and everybody's going to say, "What the hell are you doing? Are you crazy?" So yeah, Walker didn't have a shot that game. He was he, he never even got him a, gave him a chance really because yeah. of the score. But yeah, as far as I view, anytime anybody asks, I mean, to go to your point, you know, what can Mel Tucker? accomplished at Michigan state, it, you know, it depends. What can you do against Ohio state? Cause that's the way it is every year. Every year I look at the big 10, I think, you know, who, who's going to compete with Ohio state because, you know, I've, I've done this for well, five seasons. I think I've, I've voted, you know, your guys poll every year. I voted, I voted Ohio state to win 
every year I said, well, I'm never going to, you know, pick against them until Urban Meyer leaves. And Urban Meyer left and I still pick Ohio State to win just because they have all the talent. <laughs> they have the talent, you know. So, you know, you you go post game, you know, last year and after that beating and and Mel just, you know, he took it. And, you know, they were much better and and was asked what they have to do to to, you know, reverse that outcome. And he said, close the gap through recruiting. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't. <laughs> Messing around, it's pretty obvious. We need more talent. Bottom line, that's it. Better players. And so we're going to see if he's able to do that. And then maybe the the outcome is different. But, you know, Mel knows what it takes to win a national championship. He's got two of them as an assistant. And, you know, Ohio State is the, is the program to beat in the Big Ten. You know, he's already he, – he's shown he can – he's 2-0 against Michigan. Nobody at Michigan State's ever done that. No, he's he's won 11 games in his second year, but how, can you beat Ohio State? Can you do what D'Antonio did and get your program past, you know, the the gold standard for, for the conference right now? And I know that, you know, Michigan won the conference last year, but, you know, that it was Ohio State is still always the team to beat year in and year out. I think everybody realistically knows that. It is hard, I think, for Ohio State fans or maybe Ohio State fans are just smarter than me. Maybe it's just hard for me. Michigan made the playoff. Michigan beat Ohio State. Like Michigan, it was Michigan's year in the last year, Big Ten. And from the Ohio State perspective, Michigan State came in and lost by 49. So mm-hmm. it's like, well, what? I don't know. But but again, Michigan State won 11 games. They won a New Year's Six Bowl. They won the Peach Bowl. That's a big deal. Do we think be an undefeated matchup in week six? First five games for Michigan for Michigan State. Western Michigan, Akron, at Washington, Minnesota, at Maryland. Ohio State, I've been, tra- I'm not trying to like uh, scare Ohio State fans unnecessarily, but Michael Mayer in week one, Notre Dame, you know, that's a good player. They have good players. Isaiah Foskey, they have good players. Uh, Braylon Allen, Wisconsin, that's the first Big Ten game for Ohio State. You know, that guy's a good running back. He's big and he's tough. Like that's, that's a thing. This, you know, this is the first road game. It's a veteran quarterback. It's a true number one receiver in Jaden Reed. It's what I think is a very good football coach. In Mel Tucker, you know, I, I wouldn't sleep on Michigan State. Do you think they, I mean, 5-0, and oh, possible? I guess it would be the at Washington. And I don't know if Minnesota might be a little bit sneaky good. But what this could be, this could be a big 5-0 and oh versus 5-0. and oh, And if they're both 5-0, and oh, this could be a top 10 matchup in week six. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, I mean, I wouldn't put a ton of money on Michigan state to be five and zero at that point. But I, I can certainly see the path to get there. Like you said, you know, open against Western and Akron at home, go to Washington, eh, Michigan state first year head coach, first year head coach, you know, yeah, Michael, Michael Penix at quarterback for the Huskies. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. That's it's could be that that could be if he wins that battle, which you think he probably will. Um, but Michigan State has not fared well in road games out West in the regular season. It's like, what was it? Like I wrote about this like last week. Of course, I've already forgot it, but they, their last road regular season road win out West was it was at Colorado in like 87 or something. Ooh. They're Owen six in regular season games out West since and I count Hawaii and it is West, even though it's technically Pacific, but um and then, but they're like six and two in bowl games out west. So you know, whatever. But you know, they haven't had very well. So that's a difficult trip against you know a program that's kind of rebooting. Um, but I think you know it's winnable. You know, they went down to Miami last year in the heat when nobody thought they you know they they weren't given too much of a chance. Noon game in Miami, it was hot, and and they outlasted them in the fourth quarter. And then Minnesota, yeah. What do you 
what do you got there? Is Tanner Morgan going to play like the Tanner Morgan of 2019? Or did he play like that because he had two NFL receivers to throw at? You know, they, their passing attack was was bad last year, but they ran the ball well despite, you know, the injuries to the backfield. So that's a that's a good opponent coming to town. But I, I think there's a chance for – definitely a chance for Michigan State to be 5-0 and uh, when, when Wisconsin – or Wisconsin – when Ohio State comes to town. So we'll finish with this, Matt. What does it look like if Michigan State competes on that day? What, what's, what's the template, the formula for – listen, it's hard to beat Ohio State. People think Ohio State's one of the two best teams in the country this year. How does Michigan State hang? I think you, if you're, if you're Mel Tucker, which you would ideally like to see, is what you saw in what Michigan did to Ohio State last year. You line up, you run the ball down their throat, and keep doing it, and keep doing it, and just physically win, you know, physically pose your will, like everybody likes to say, um, and you just win the game like that. Um, you know, and Mel being a defensive guy, I don't think 49-42 is really what he wants to see. He'd take the win. But, yeah, you go out there and you and you run the ball on your own terms and you, you know, open up. And and then basically the complete opposite of what they did defensively last year. So you, you take that and just erase it. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think that's what Mel wants to do is, is his, his uh, blueprint for winning would, would be like that. He's Matt Wenzel. This will be your what year on the beat, Matt. Sixth year Sixth. as the beat writer, yeah. Sixth year as the beat writer. You can follow his coverage at mlive.com. MLive is in our company with cleveland.com. And it's so fortuitous because you go there and you go to mlive.com and then you do a, a slash. I never know what is. What's slash, slash Spartans. What, what, what's a back? How do you make a forward slash? Does anyone use a forward slash? Everything's a backslash, right? What I, slash know, is it? To be honest, I can't even remember which is forward, which is back because they both. Yeah. <laughs> what are forward, you talking about? Are you going top down or bottom up uh, slash yeah. Spartans gets you right to all the Michigan state content slash Wolverines gets you to all the Michigan content on the same site. And you're an Ohio state fan. You're interested in those teams. So Matt Wenzel, as good as it gets, Matt, it's too much. I've asked you to be on too many podcasts at this point, right? This is too many. No, no, no. It's all good. Me. You're ghosting me. Oh, no, talk- no, we're, we're, we're all good. It's it's I can talk some football. Okay. Thank you for doing that. We will come back and wrap up this Buckeye talk on week six, Ohio State, Michigan State after this. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So thanks, of course, to Matt Wenzel for his time on that. Listen, this is a chance. This is a chance. It's a pretty big game. It's not going to be the biggest game of the day on October 8th, because uh, I don't know if you guys know what October 8th is, but it's the Alabama-Texas A&M game. So that's going to suck up all the oxygen in college football, Nick Saban versus Jimbo Fisher. Other games that day, Texas, Oklahoma, which if Texas hangs at all with Alabama in week two, that is a chance to be a pretty good game. Red River rivalry. um, Will we know might be the real first test for Oklahoma and Oklahoma might be the best team in the big 12. So that's a big game. And then I don't think this is a secret big game. BYU, Notre Dame in Vegas has a chance to be, Pretty huge, especially if BYU beats Baylor in week two. Um, and if Notre Dame hangs with Ohio State at all. 
BYU is is on alert as a potential on the edge of the playoff discussion team all year. So those three games, also Auburn-Georgia that game. And Georgia might steamroll everybody this season, but if anybody on Georgia's schedule can hang with Georgia, it might be Auburn. So it's going to be a good day of college football, but Michigan State might be undefeated, just like Wisconsin's almost certainly going to be undefeated for that week four matchup. Again, Michigan State, Western Michigan, Akron at Washington, Minnesota, Maryland. Maryland's on the road. So this could be a 5-0 versus 5-0 game in week six against two teams that played in New Year's Six Bowls last year. So don't sleep on this game. Don't sleep on Michigan State. I just don't think it's there yet. Yeah, they might have the the second-best quarterback and second-best receiver in the Big Ten. I don't think the pieces are all there together yet. I think Michigan State has a chance to have another really good year, but just like not quite measure up right now. Watch out for Mel Tucker long-term. I think he's the right guy there. I think he'd be the right guy in a lot of places. Watch out long-term. I just don't maybe see it this year. So I don't know. I think this could be, even if it's 5-0 versus 5-0, I think this could be a 21-point spread going into a game like this at East Lansing. And it'll be the first road test, but, you know, this is a this will be a more veteran team, not quite as young as last year. So we appreciate you guys hanging in. Next week, week seven, it's Iowa. Iowa is the next game on the schedule for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, again, we've already recorded that one, and uh, it's a good conversation with a new Iowa beat writer. So it's a good schedule, right? It's just one of these things. It, it's like a good group of games especially at home and actually that iowa game is week eight because there's a bye week so can you imagine bye pod that'll be if i need a break we'll just have the bye pod where there's just no pod where i do a 90 second pod and it's like it's the off week buckeye talk and that'll be the whole pod but october 8th at michigan state off week october 22nd iowa in ohio stadium iowa is up next in our bunch of previews appreciate you guys listening Thanks again to Matt Wenzel. I'm Doug Lee Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>